You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. What a great start it has been to the year and uh, super excited about some of the things that I believe God has on His heart for us as we go into this year. Convinced this is going to be a big year for us as a community and hopefully we can talk a little bit about some of those things as we go forward. I'm going to do my best to land our, uh, our stewardship series this morning and uh, just, uh, uh, just as an introduction, as a few comments. Um, I want you to know we started this year deliberately with a series on stewardship, but we did it because we understand what God is calling us to this year. We haven't done it from a place of need or a place of desperation. Uh, financially, we're, in a, we're in, a, in a fairly good place as a local church. We carry no debt. As you heard, we just were able to release some more money to the orphanage in South Africa. And so this doesn't come from a place of need or desperation or we're trying to get the bills paid. It's none of those kind of things. It's actually about us being able to walk into all that God has called us for in this next year, season, and for the life of this church until Jesus comes back again. You doing all right? So this isn't about need. This is about us knowing and understanding what God has called us to and knowing that He has a financial plan in place for underwriting his vision. Are you doing okay? And so we don't have to come up with all these other fancy things. No special offerings, no extra biblical appeals, no letters going out saying we need money for this. We just want to buy into God's financial plan so that we can work out God's purposes in his financial plan. Are you you doing okay with that? This is about us buying into a biblical pattern of financial giving and trusting God to use us in that pattern. Are you doing all right? As an eldership team, we practice the very principles that we teach you here. We practice these same principles. Uh, one of the things that we talk about on coming to family is, uh, is this thing, that if we believe the tithe, we believe what God says about the tithe, then when that, and the Bible tells us that the tithe belongs to God, so when that tithe is in Andrew's pocket, who does it belong to? God. When Andrew puts it in the offering and it lands in our bank account, who does it belong to? God. Exactly. And so there's a, that, that's honestly how we think when we uh, govern the finances, when, we make, when we're making um, decisions, prayerful decisions about how we spend the money, etc. That's our thing. This is God's money. And I want to tell you, as an eldership, we believe this, that we will give an account for every single person that comes through these doors. That's what the Bible says. But I'm convinced of that. If that's true, that this is God's money, whether it's with you or with us, it's God's money, then I'm convinced of this. As an eldership, we'll also give an account for every dollar that flows through the life of this church. Are you doing okay? <clears throat> Mark Bailey started the series for us around Christ-centered giving. If you missed it, I want to encourage you that the, 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 these sermons are all online. If you, if you missed Mark, or in fact, if you missed any one of the three, I thought Andrew did an incredible job. Um, I watched him live in the Netherlands on Facebook Live. I was able to catch up and, and watch him. 
and uh, hear what he was saying. And then Tim last week, I thought, did an, did an outstanding job on some of these things. And so, honestly, I'm stoked we've been able to package this. I think it's only the second time in the five years that I've been leading that we've done a series on finances. Um, but I'm, I'm stoked that we were able to package it. And I want to encourage you to go and listen to that whole series, maybe even over the next couple of weeks, go and just re-listen to it, rethink it, re-pray it and see what God is saying. The premise of Mark's message to us was simply this, that we give to God first because God gave to us first while we were still sinners. Father sent His Son to die for the payment of our sins and the redemption of our eternity. What an incredible gift. What an incredible gift the Father gave us. So I want to talk this morning, again, as we try and land this series, as we try and conclude this series. Like I said, we, we did this deliberately. We did it because we're anticipating some things in God and knowing and understanding that this is going to be a big year for us. I want to talk to you this morning on this thing, on giving to vision or mission, giving to vision or mission. So what is our vision? I, listen, I, I think vision in local church is probably one of the most misunderstood words that is used. And sometimes in a church, when they say, this is our vision, they're talking about their goals. That's a completely different thing. That's a completely different thing. Most of what the church calls vision is not actually that. So what is our vision? I thought you'd never ask. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1, please. I'm being very optimistic getting in the pulpit without glasses. This vision, yeah. Mm. Sometimes I need a little help with my vision. It's not because I'm old. It's just the lighting is real bad in here. If we could turn the lights up, I wouldn't need glasses at all. Okay, if you guys would stop messing around, we might get somewhere this morning. Okay, Father, we love you. We bless you. Help us, Lord, as we approach your word. Lord, would you lift us? Would you stir us? Would you encourage us? Would you touch us? Would you change us? Would you challenge us, Father, as we approach your word in Jesus' name? Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read just a few, few selected scriptures out of the first three chapters. We're going to land in, in uh, Hebrews 3. Um, but let's just start Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. Listen carefully. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful words. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. In the beginning, O Lord, You laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of Your hands. They will perish, but You remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay more careful, careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away, right? And for the sake of time, I'm going to skip to chapter 3. These first three chapters are absolutely incredible. Chapter 3, therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess, he is faithful to the one who appointed him. And I'm going to ask you to jump ahead to Hebrews chapter 12. Which comes right after Hebrews 11, this great faith chapter. 
Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Remember what I said? We've got some big things. We believe God is asking us and requiring of us as we go forward this year. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here we go, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the two things the Bible tells us we should focus on. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, Hebrews 3 verse 1, and Hebrews 12 verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. What the Bible tells us, our vision is, is Jesus. Are you doing okay? And this is like a little bit of a, maybe like a little bit of a mindset switch for some of you. But I want to say this, that as we've we've realized this, as we've realized this thing, how important the centrality of Christ is in everything we do, in everything we do. Love how uh, Mark's thing was Christ-centered giving. Christ central to everything we do. And if Christ is not central to the vision and the mission, then that is not a Christ-ordained vision or mission. Are you doing okay? Jesus is absolutely central to everything we do, everything we think. And so there's this little statement that we've adopted, and it's this. It goes like this. Christology, missiology, ecclesiology. Now, those are big words. But it simply means this, that we need to focus on Christ. Christ will focus us on the mission, and the mission will determine the shape of the church. Are you doing okay? And that's why I'm saying sometimes we get this completely the wrong way around. Because in most churches, they talk about vision. This is what God's called us to. And then they want to try and back that up. This is the mission. They want to try and back that up. This is what the church is called to do. We try and back that up. And to be honest with you, we've got the cart completely before the horse. We have to start with Jesus. Are you doing okay? And allow Jesus to focus us on the mission, and then Jesus and the mission will determine the shape of the church. We don't determine the shape of the church unless we've got that confused, that Jesus is building his church. We will be his witnesses, and he will build his church. And sometimes we get that completely wrong, and we're going, okay, Jesus, I'll build the church. You do the witnessing. It's not borne out in Scripture. Are you doing okay? Am Am I speaking too passionately this morning? We focus on Christ. Christ will focus us on the mission, and the mission will shape the church. John 4, verse 34 says this, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. And sometimes in Christendom, we've got a lot of people that are real good at starting stuff and not a whole lot of people that are real good at finishing stuff. And we are put on this earth to play our role in ensuring that the mission and the vision gets completed. Are you doing okay? And then he goes on to say, verse 35, do not say, it's still four months until the harvest. And I love that. Do not say it. It's like whatever your excuse was, stop saying that. Well, well, when we get here, we'll do that. When we've got money, we'll send some money. I love what Tim said last week. He's like, you know, people always say that. When I've got money, and he's like, no, you won't. It's right, you won't. You know, it's like, stop saying that thing, whatever it is. Whatever your excuse is, I can't do this. Stop saying that thing. And let's get on with the mission that God has put us here for. Do not say it's still four more months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop 
for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus is the saying, one sows and another one reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Speaking about the cross, we didn't do the work of salvation. Jesus did the work of salvation. Jesus did the work, and we complete His work. You're doing okay. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Matthew 28, verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when He saw them, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Oh, sorry, to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we focus on Jesus. We're going to go, okay, Jesus. The Bible tells us, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. And when we do that, Jesus says, can you see the lost, broken world around you? We can't do that the other way around. We cannot look at Jesus through the world. We have to look at the world through Jesus. Are you doing okay? Otherwise, we just absolutely are going to get that backwards. The mission is the redemption of people out of sin, out of darkness, and out of brokenness. That's the mission. That's the mission. Our vision is of Christ. The mission is the redemption of, every, of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. I love that text, that Acts 1-8 text. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth, or to the ends of the earth. Such an amazing text. The simultaneousness. Is that a word? Is that a word? Simultaneousness. Okay, write it down. Yeah, that's, why you kids, that's why you kids need to stay in school, I'm telling you now, man. Anyway, simultaneousness, right? So it's Jerusalem and Judea. That's a very important word, and, because it's not Jerusalem, then Judea. Then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. If that was true, the gospel would never have left Jerusalem because Jerusalem still isn't all saved, right? And so there's a simultaneousness of that. And that comes back to Tim's point again. We can't say when we get there, then we will because the, God, the Bible doesn't leave us that room. The Bible encourages us that we are to be here and there simultaneously. We're to be doing this and that simultaneously. And that when we do that, we will receive power. I wonder sometimes if that isn't if those two things aren't connected, that we lack that power because we've stopped going. Yeah. Tim, again last week, I feel like I'm doing a Tim Hall recap. We're getting the Tim Hall, <laughs> in the Tim Hall revised version. <laughs> it's what? 2.0. What is our Jerusalem? What is our Jerusalem? If we make this real practical, what is our Jerusalem? Westminster and Broomfield. That's where we are right now. Westminster and Broomfield. What's our Judea? The greater Denver area and the rest of Colorado. What's our Samaria? The United States of America. To the ends of the earth? Well, that's the ends of the earth. All nations. And we don't get to pick and choose. Not by biblical, I guess we do. But not, by, not if we're going to be biblically accurate to the Bible. We don't get to pick and choose. Uh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. 
How much time have I got left? So how many of you can see? Listen, friends. So we focus on Jesus. Jesus focuses on, on the mission, right? Lost, hurt, broken people. Here, Westminster, Broomfield, Denver, the greater Colorado area, the United States, and the nations of the world. How many of you see if we truly gave ourselves to that mission through the eyes of Jesus, it would ultimately shape the church? Can you see that? If we truly gave ourselves to that mission, then it does determine the shape of the church. What I was going to say about Tim is he said last week, what if we stopped judging the, the church by its seeding capacity and started judging the church by its sending capacity? I want to say that's a far more biblical, biblically accurate understanding of actually what we should be doing. Right? We cannot see Jesus through the world around us. We must see the world around us through Jesus. God has spoken to us through the Scriptures. Just read those Scriptures about the harvest and about the nations. God has spoken to us through the Scriptures, and God has spoken to us prophetically. Ten in ten. Some combination of ten church plants or multi-sites in the next ten years. And I'm telling you now, friends, there's, this is the year where we're leaning into that thing by God's design and by God's hand and by God's direction a little bit more deliberately and a little bit more intentionally. This is going to be a year that we're going to see some of those things worked out. So when we speak about stewardship, right, remember I'm talking about this thing, giving in the light of what we call to. When I speak about stewardship, we've got to understand this. We are not about gathering money. We're not about gathering money and having big bank accounts and big buildings. We're not about that. We're not about that. We're not about gathering money. We're about releasing ministry. And that's a completely different mindset. And so if we're going to be biblically accurate to that thing, let me tell you, church planting and multi-siting costs money. Right? I had that conversation with that guy in Westminster, church of about 1,500 people, and just conversation, had a nice sushi lunch with him, and... Uh, 1,500 people in his church, and just we were just talking, you know. And uh, he actually said to me, I was on your website in anticipation of our lunch, and I saw you guys have planted three churches. How in the world have you done that? And he said this, we cannot afford to plant churches. And I said, you know, truthfully, I don't know. All I know is this. Every time somebody hears God to go, we're in affirmation with that, and we're saying, yes, this is the call of God. We empty the bank account, and we start again. I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. I just know this. God has honored it. That I know, because we're giving ourselves to a God-ordained vision and mission. There isn't a whole lot more to that. It's called the Great Commission. As I said last week, it's called the Great Commission because it's ordained by a great king. If it was a so-so king, it would be a so-so mission. If it was an average king, it would be an average mission. But it's a great king that we serve. And he has called us to a great commission. Take the gospel to the nations of the earth. So Christology, missiology, ecclesiology. So as we fix our thoughts and our eyes on Jesus, he will show us the mission, and then we get to the church. There is so much debate about when the church was formed. And I understand that there's evidence and people write books on these things. Uh, in the Old Testament, I think we see types and shadows of the, of the church that we can learn from and, and gather some things from. Personally, for me, 
I think the church was formed on the cross. The church was birthed on the cross when Jesus spoke down and he said, here is your mother, here is your son. And they weren't actually physically related. And I think right there in that moment, he's speaking something into being, the supernatural, super generational community that will fulfill his mission on planet earth. Ephesians 3.10 says this, it is now through the church. It is now through the church. I want to tell you, friends, this is a now word for us at Redemption City Church. This is a now word. This isn't a word for some other generation. This isn't a word for some other people. There aren't another group of people sitting in another room hearing this message. Well, there will be in about an hour, but... I make these brilliant points and then I undo them myself. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm like, I just had the picture of you all sitting there thinking, wait, aren't we doing a second meeting this morning? <laughs> There's a nowness to us walking in His calling and His purpose. This is not a word for some future generation, etc. It is through the church, it is through the church that God has chosen to tie His mission in this world. What does that look like for us practically as I land? What does that look like for us practically? We've said this little thing, Christology, missiology, ecclesiology, we focus on Jesus, He focuses on the mission, and that will determine the shape of the church. What does that work? How does that look for us practically? Another little, another little thing that we've come up with, neighbors, neighborhoods, nations. Neighbors, neighborhoods, nations. What does that look like? Our neighbors, a gospel witness to those around us. We can never get away from that. As I said, Jesus is building his church, and he says, I will build my church, and you will be my witnesses. We can never get away from being gospel witnesses, from carrying a gospel witness to wherever we are, in our workplace, in our school, in our, in our neighbors, whatever it is. Whatever, wherever we find ourselves, we are called to carry a gospel witness. I'm convinced of this, friends. I'm absolutely convinced of this, that ordinary believers who have been stirred and caught up with this gospel truth will always be the tip of the evangelistic spear. Always will be. We can put up tents and bring in evangelists and all of that. I don't, I don't, I'm convinced of this. It is ordinary believers carrying a gospel witness that will see people saved. You doing okay? Yeah. Neighborhoods. So neighbors, we carry a gospel witness. Neighborhoods. Our connect groups. Our connect groups. And our connect groups are in a great place, but we need more. We need to multiply our connect groups. We need more connect groups in more neighborhoods. Multi-sites. Multi-sites. For those places that are not geographically, you know, but, I think it was Jeff that asked me on Friday morning. It's like, what is the difference between a church plant and a multi-site? Great question. If we're going to church plant in, let's say, uh, give me a city that's far enough away from us. Huh? Nashville. Now we're talking. Nashville. Nashville. I'm all in. But let's say we're going to plant, let's say we're going to plant a church in Nashville, right? We're going to plant in Nashville. That's not a site. That's a church plant. Geography determines that. But if we're going somewhere else, down south or up north or somewhere, that can be a multi-site where we can resource it and send teams and do all of those kind of things. And then as that thing grows, maybe a couple of years down the road, we have to have the discussion. Okay, there's 200 people there. There's four elders. There's money. Do you guys still want to be a site 
Or do we cut you loose and now you become an autonomous church? Right? Does that, does that make sense? So neighborhoods, we need connect groups and we need multi-sites. And then nation, our nation and the nations, church planting and outreaches. Church planting and outreaches. Going into churches that are being planted, whether, they, whether they've been planted from this church or not. We've got, a, we've got a wonderful couple that are planting right now in New York. Waiting for him to say, okay, we've got something. Can you bring a team? Yeah. Waiting, waiting. Yeah. I'm going to send you all. New York's not my favorite place, so some of you are going. <laughs> Let me say this. Any mission or vision or ministry that bypasses the local church will always have an uphill battle around resources, people, leaders, etc. It is through the church. And those ministries always resort to letter writing, begging for money, etc., it's not, it's, not, it's not God's plan. And I've had people ask me about these things. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take up a special offering for that? Why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? And I'm like, it's not God's plan. And I'm convinced of this, friends. We are called to do God's will, God's way. And we can raise a lot of money, and then it's not God's way. If we do God's will, God's way, we'll see God's glory. Are you doing okay? It's through the local church that God will accomplish what he has set out to accomplish, and that is the redemption of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Revelation 7 verse 9 says this, After this I looked, and I saw a multitude too large to count from every nation and tribe and people and tongue standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, speaks of salvation. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, speaking of worship. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down face down and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever. We've got a role to play, friends. We've got a role to play in that. Here's the thing. God will accomplish that with or without us. We've been invited in to this incredible mission so that at the end of our lives, we can say, I lived a life of significance because I played a role in something of eternal importance. So truthfully, a little moment of honesty. I had a buddy of mine who used to say, I'm not preaching now, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Moment of vulnerability, that's a better word. Thank you, Andrew. So first we had the Tim Hall revised version, now we've got the Andrew Godfrey version. Listen, I, truthfully, I mean, I... Do I know exactly how this all works? I, I, you would be foolish to say, yeah, I'm, I've got it. You would be foolish to say, yes, I've got it. I can remember a moment with Ty's dad about 30 years ago when we were sitting in a room, about 10 or 12 of us in a room, and we asked him about some of these things. How, how do we get this done, Dudley? How, how do we get the gospel to the nations? And what does that mean for us financially and personally and all of that thing? And he quoted Matthew 6, verse 33. In all things, consider first the kingdom of God. But he did this. He paraphrased it. 
He paraphrased it, and he said this, in all things, big or small, consider first the kingdom of God. And then that scripture ends with, and all these things will be added to you. I want to tell you, friends, something gripped me in that moment. Something gripped me in that moment to say, man, how can I live my life like that, that in all things, in all things, big or small, I consider first as a matter of priority and as a matter of chronology, first, what does this mean to the kingdom of God? I want to tell you, friends, a generation or a community that will give themselves to that will see amazing things in God. We will see amazing things in God. Jesse Mason, absolute legend that has now gone to be with the Lord. After the Second World War, uh, General MacArthur, who was the commandant or whatever it was of Japan after the war, wrote a letter back to the, to the United States and he said this. He said, Japan is open to the gospel. He said, I need a thousand men to come with Bibles. Twelve men went. Jesse was one of those men. Jesse was one of those men. Claire, his wife, I don't know how long they'd been married when Jesse passed, but just getting ready for 60 years. She came on one of the latest ships, and Jesse says he married her for her money. <laughs> because he just went, no support. And when she got there, she'd been promised $20 a month support from her church. So he says, I married her for her money. Jesse said this, never forget it, stood on the stage in a church in California. We weren't living here yet, but he stood on the stage like this in his 70s, raised his fist like this, and he said, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. He's quoting Psalm 37, but he wasn't quoting scripture. He was living that life. I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. If I have to do this for my whole life so that it puts my kids in a different place, I'm all in. I'm all in. God has a financial place, financial plan in place that ensures that his plans and purposes are walked out and lived out in each and every generation. As we give ourselves to that, friends, not just financially, not just financially, because we have to give ourselves to this in finances, yes, but in heart and in practice. You know what? One of the, 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 one of the hardest things, I'm just telling you personally because I'm a relational guy. One of the hardest things we have done over the last 30 years, and I'm talking, we've planted three churches out of here, but over the last 30 years, we've planted dozens of churches. Hardest thing for me is to send people to go plant a church. Because I just want everybody to, let's just hang out here. Let's just love each other. We can show up here. I'm a huggy guy. I'll hug you. If you're not a huggy guy, I'll hug that nonsense right out of you. <laughs> it's like, I feel like we should change our church planting strategy because the way we work with church planting is we send our best. I think we need to change that. I think we need to send people that irritate me. It'll be so much easier. It'll be so much easier. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Listen, none of this stuff is easy. There's not one line in Scripture where you can say Jesus said it would be easy. But I can promise you that it will be worth it at the end of our lives and at the end of the age when we can say we played a role. We give ourselves to this not just financially, but in heart 
in action, and in practice. And then as Dudley told us years ago, we give ourselves first in all things big and small to the kingdom of God. Then all these things will be added to us. As we go, we will be blessed. Our needs will be taken care of. We'll be able to live a life that counted for God. Let's stand together. Let's just close our eyes, friends. Father, we love you. So grateful, Lord, for salvation, for the cross, for the death and resurrection of our great King, who then gives us this great commission. What a privileged people we are, Lord to be invited into this amazing journey, this amazing mission of seeing people saved here and there. Father, would you lift us? Would you stir us? Would you help us, Lord, to make the adjustments in our lives that truly, Father, truly, Lord, we may play our role, whether that's individually or as a community, we may play our role in getting the gospel to the nations of the earth. Help us, Lord, with our neighbors. Help us to be gospel witnesses. Help us to carry the glory of Christ to our neighbors, to those we rub shoulders with every day, Lord, to our neighborhoods where we have connect groups and where we need connect groups and where the multi-sites will be as we live in obedience to what you've called us to. And then church planting, Lord, the nations, this nation and the nations of the world. We know you're speaking to people, Lord. We know there are people in this room that are called to plant churches and lead churches. Father, we want to give ourselves to this thing. We want to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. We want to see this mission through the eyes of Jesus. And we want to walk in obedience to this great King. Stir us, lift us, challenge us, adjust us, Father. And may we see your kingdom come and your will be done, Father. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen.